Welcome to Thrive Through Marketing, the only organic content marketing podcast for mental wellness companies. You have a mission to impact the world, and I have a mission to help you do that, all while increasing revenue, creating a new stream of customers, and reaching people before they even know they need you. With more than a decade of experience in organic content marketing and a deep passion and respect for mental wellness, there's one thing I know for sure. When you thrive, your customers thrive. That's why I'm here to deliver strategies, ideas, insights, and interviews from storytelling and analytics to practical steps and high-level vision. We cover it all. So if you're ready to leverage the power of organic content marketing, let's get started. Welcome back to Thrive Through Marketing, everyone. Today we have with us Christine Mangum, who is the head of content strategy and coach manager at Aura Health. And she's also a mental health counselor who runs her own private practice. Thank you so much for being here with us, Christine. Oh, it's really amazing to be here. I'm excited. So Christine and I actually just like chatted just to connect and get to know each other a couple weeks ago. And she was telling me about what she does. So she creates content for Aura Health for their app. So meditation content, you can tell us more about that. Um, and she was telling me about how she tunes into trends and bring that into the content they're creating. And I thought it was really interesting. And so I wanted to talk about that more here. So before we jump into that, though, tell us what you do as head of content strategy at Aura Health. Sure. Um, I don't think I have a short version. <laughs> and give us the long one. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. What do I do? So I, I feel like I do so many things. I have to be paying attention to you know, um, our engineering department, what they're kind of building and how I can offer content in, in different ways. But I would say the main thing that I do is I'm looking to differentiate content types on our platform and how do we differentiate ourselves from other, um, mental health apps or rather wellness apps is a better way of putting it. Um, they're out in the world and there's some really great ones that are you know, we have to compete with. Mm -hmm. Um, so that makes it really like fun and challenging. Um, and then I, I also manage, um, a small team of really wonderful people who help me out with all kinds of things like managing our contracts, um, and contracts with our, our content creators. And we always like to have that personal touch with them. We always want to make them feel like they're a part of our, community um and that they're gonna if they reach out that they're gonna like get a response from us and that they're being heard and i think that's one thing that differentiates us um so we have you know we're always in conversation with people and um you know i'm connecting with our our co-founders and our data scientists and our engineers just to make sure um, everything is flowing as well as possible between mm-hmm. the, the different departments. So it's a lot of learning. Like, I feel like engineering is a, an entirely, <laughs> it's its own language and yes. it's not mine. And <laughs> so that's been a challenge, but yeah, I've got my, my hands in all the pots. Yeah. As most marketers and content people do, we're always managing so many things at once. We truly are like unicorns in the office, I feel like, or within the company. So something you mentioned that's an important part of the work that you do is understanding different trends and then implementing them within the app and within your content as a way of differentiating yourself and also 
giving your users the content that they're looking for. So I would love to hear more about, first and foremost, how are you following those trends, finding those trends, discovering them? Like, are there tools that you use? Is it just being a part of those communities? Give us a little bit more insight there. Sure. Yeah, this one, I really try to strike a balance because as a mental health professional, um, you know, I see a lot of different things that people struggle with and how they describe those things. And I see, you know, things that are in common and things that are unique. Um, and sometimes that even leads to like themes in my practice. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's like, Oh, this is what I'm seeing, or that's like what a lot of people are going through in the moment. Mm -hmm. So that might mean like, uh, like right now, um, boundaries is a big thing in my practice. Not everybody, as they're talking, you know, brings us to the idea of boundaries, but it does come up a lot. Um, and so how that translate over to content creation is where I'm like, well, maybe we need a topic on boundaries and ask mm -hmm. our mental health professionals and our coaches, um, you know, what kind, like, what do you have to say on boundaries? How do you teach that? And how do you talk about it? Um, so that we can extend it to all of our listeners. Um, and I, feel very strongly about doing things partially that way because um how do I put this gently um I think you know a lot of people are asking for things sometimes they know what they're looking for they know what they're asking for but a lot of times people are like I don't really know I just know I'm looking for something I need something and I'm going to know it when I feel it or when I when I listen to it um and then the other side of that is, is trying to accommodate what people are asking for. Mm -hmm. And so I'll utilize our, our, um, uh, software that we have where we can see what people are searching for on mm -hmm. the app. And I'll take like the top 10 and think about how I can give that to them. Or if we already have a lot of content on that, like how is it visible enough right. or do we need to move it around? Do we need to move it up in our rows? Like we have rows of content um, or, or topics rather. Um, and if it's something that maybe we don't have a, it as a topic for people to search for, um, I'll consider adding it. Um, and, and usually I will because we'll experiment with it and, if it goes well, meaning it, it changed, you know, it, it, certain metrics are met, then we know that it's going to be successful. Mm -hmm. If not, then maybe, um, maybe we don't offer it to everybody at the moment, but we can come back to it later. And that piece specifically has been interesting to me throughout my years at Aura is like, we'll have ideas. Um, and if we throw it out there in our communities, like we have a Facebook group and we have an Instagram and then people can just write in and let us know things. We also send out emails asking for feedback. Um, and people might be like, yeah, I'm not interested in that. Mm -hmm. But later it might become more popular or a bigger ask. So it's almost like a, I don't know, like a seasonal shift in what people are looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, and I find that really interesting. So part of it is kind of knowing what, what to offer when and when, mm -hmm offer it. And that's, that's where I come back over to the mental health. Pause one second. You okay. just, you just froze on my end after you said what to offer it and when. So can oh. you start right after you said that? 
yeah, uh, what to offer and when, um, I think is a, yeah, it's a really interesting thing to be kind of keeping my, you know, a pulse on. So that means just really paying attention, um, to what people are talking about. And that's on the aura side, but also in my personal life, what are my people talking about? And then in my mental health professional life, um, what are people focused on? Um, and then I come back over to that mental health professional side, because I think it matters how we talk about certain Mm -hmm. things. And, um, it's important to me to not go exactly with what is popular at the moment, because I think that we get a lot of terminology incorrect, or we might Mm -hmm. not understand things the way that they are meant to. And an example that comes to my mind is the word trigger. Mm. Um, so it's kind of a thing right now where people are like, oh, I was so triggered or that really triggered me or, you know, I, whatever. Um, and I think it's like misused. So trigger is, is a trauma term and it generally means that you're triggered into a trauma response into Mm. this cycle of behaviors based on your trauma. Um, but I think a lot of times what people mean is like, um, this happened and then I was sad. Or this happened and that really frustrated me um, or whatever. So it's a shift in your mood, which is very different than a shift in like your state of being, such Mm -hmm. as a trauma trigger um, or going into a trauma cycle. Um, So I will offer things that people are asking for, but I want to do it in a way that offers learning. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to undo some stuff that doesn't quite make sense. Um, and, and create a better sense of understanding around certain things. Um, I don't know if I'm doing that balance very well, Mm. but people seem to be happy with our content generally overall. Um, and my co-founders are really supportive of that strategy. Yeah. There are two things that you, in what you've shared that really, I feel like bear repeating, especially in terms of thinking about this, not as in. Um, product content, but forward-facing content, like, you know, on social media, organic marketing content. The first being, it's so powerful that you are their head of content. And obviously they did this very intentionally because you have this really clear direct access and understanding of the audience, which allows you to tap into those seasonal trends or things that people are talking about. And I think it's really important for us to consider as content creators. And I've talked about this before, like, Who's creating your content? And do they truly understand your audience? Are they tapped into your audience? Are they having those conversations, whether it's through your community or through their own personal experiences that allow them to really understand not only what's going on, but but also then the second piece that I think is really important is then discerning between what's going on and what's trending and the correct verbiage and way to use that and really understanding what that means, like the difference between what a trigger really is and what people are actually saying. And so there's this other really important piece, I think, when we're thinking about trends and it's, are we using the language that our audience and that our users are using? And in addition, are we using it correctly? And are we being proper and you know, using words that are accurate versus just following a trend. So those feel like two really important pieces to me for us to think about as content creators in general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm glad that sticks out. I think that's a really important 
part of what we do at Aura. Do you, you also, it sounds like you kind of have like this also um, second layer of feedback around something that might be a trend and then the content that is created around that, which is your coaches and the people that you, I don't know if you call them coaches, your people that create the content, yeah, your content creators. So tell me a little bit more about how you then, you as the leader here, this is happening and you go to this team and you say, okay, this is something what might come out of this? What content do you think we should create out of this? Like, how do you, how do you work with them and leverage their expertise and their unique point of view to then take the content to the level of, okay, now we're going to create, you know, these five pieces. Yeah. Love that. Um, so we, we have a monthly like peer consult meeting, um, that one of our, our content creators leads, um, and oh man, she's amazing. Um, and that's a place for anyone who's available at that that day in time to hop on and chat about their experience at Aura, um, how things are going in in their an idea. So they'll you come just, and sorry. offer feedback, like, "Hey, this isn't functioning well in the app," or like, "Hey, I wish this was different." So they, you know, they offer feedback on the product side or the user experience. Um, and then also on the content side, they stop really quick. I can't hear you. No. Oh, there you go. You're oh, back. I'm back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's so weird. I don't know why your audio keeps going in and out. It just did it a second before that too, but I don't know if you heard me say that. So, um, it initially went out for a second when you said on the content oh, no, creator side. Oh. Hmm. Strange. Um, can you hear me right now? Connected. Hmm. Can you hear me though? I can hear you. Yeah. Oh, I can hear you now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's so weird. So just, we'll just have to keep paying attention. And if it, it's totally fine if I just have to edit sections out, but I want to make sure we don't miss anything. So, um, yeah. So, um, they, they'll come to that meeting and talk about their ideas, whether it's topics or for the user experience or, um, as they're engaging with their listeners, um, they're like, Hey, people are asking for more of this or more of that. So mm -hmm. They can also connect with our listeners. We do have a one-to-one -one coaching product or feature on the app. So those who are one-to-one -one coaches, you know, they have that direct access um, and they are recommending content. And so they get a unique perspective from our listeners that way. Mm -hmm. um, and we always ask them to like send us ideas, you know, if there's something, a topic you're really knowledgeable on, or you have a lot of content on, or you have a lot of people asking for, please let us know. Like the answer is usually yes. It's going to mm -hmm. be rare that we say no. Um, and if I do, there's a reason for it. Um, but I don't, yeah, the answer is always yes. We can always offer that topic, gather some content on it, send it out, see how people respond. And if it goes well, awesome. If it doesn't, we'll come back later. It's, it's never mm -hmm. a like complete no. Um, and I, you know, that's really valuable because the, our content creators are the ones who like, they're the reason why our app is successful. Like they're offering this wonderful content and they have wonderful content because 
they are having these discussions and these experiences and they are so knowledgeable in, in the topics that they offer. So it only makes sense for us to take their feedback and, and do something useful with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has resulted in a lot of our different topics. It's resulted in different content types um, and also features where we might change how the app functions for, for our users because they're on there as well in engaging with the app just to understand how it works for their listeners. Um, so they're incredibly influential in, in the work that I do as a content strategist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels really important to think about how organizations can create that for themselves. Like, sure, maybe you don't have an app with a bunch of people that create content, but like, how can you... How can you give yourself the opportunity even once a quarter to check in with people who really understand your audience or who are creating content in that space, whether that's users of your product or service, or I'm thinking even, you know, like once a month doing a set of like Instagram polls or something, you know, like we're hearing a lot of people talking about this, you know, what about this resonates for you? And then you share a couple options, like just, I guess the reminder being like, how can we continually check in with with these people who also have their ear to the ground or who are really representative of the user and go beyond. I think so often as content creators, we can get like sort of in our space and like we're planning and we're publishing content and we're putting it out there and we're following this strategy and this plan. And it can be easy to forget that we have this resource out there. We can create that for ourselves intentionally and how much that can inform our content, especially in the mental health and mental wellness space. It's just, I feel like it's more important in this space than in a lot of others to have access to that insight and that feedback around what people are talking about, what they care about and how we can best speak their language. Yeah, totally. And that makes me think about the difference between that and just kind of like a general offering, which which we can always do, you know, I I think about like our CBT content, that's like a, I'm offering, you know, if it's me or another one of our psychotherapists, you know, how they teach CBT, Mm -hmm. like this is, you know, this is how I teach it. This is what I say. And then the other side where it's listening to, you know, what, what clients or, or listeners are saying in response to that information, or if they're asking questions or talking about it, then we have, you know, that content that really speaks to that user, that person, and that, that client who's trying to understand this or trying to, you know, apply it in their everyday life. That is just so important to offer that more specific Mm -hmm. type of content because that just becomes more useful for the listener. They get more out of it. And it's more generalized. Mm -hmm. And you sort of touched on this a little bit, but I want to go further. So you notice a trend, people are talking about something. How do you determine whether you're going to bring that into your space or not, or into your community, in your case, into the app? So one thing you said is like people talking a lot about triggers, but like understanding the difference between that and then how you want to implement that. But outside of that, like, like I was working with a client and slow girl summer was like a trending thing. And we talked about it and she's like, but like, could we call it something? Like, I feel like slow girl summer is like 
you know, like we don't work with girls, we work with women. Like, and so we decided not to jump on that trend, at least not in that exact way. So how do you differentiate what you pick up and bring on and and what you leave? Um, We definitely make that same consideration. Like, okay, what's the popular term right now? Is there a more appropriate one? Mm -hmm. Um, So that we can, for that purpose of like relearning Mm -hmm. appropriate terms and like, what is this that we're actually talking about? Um, So I would have done the same thing with that very term is like, can we find something more appropriate and respectful and more accurate to what we're actually talking about? Mm-hmm. And that's can be tough sometimes because maybe the more accurate and respectful terminology is one that a lot of people won't know. And so we have to consider if someone sees this title, are they going to be interested enough to click on it? Are they going to know enough what it is to be like, oh yeah, yeah, maybe I'll listen to what this is. Right. If, if it's a, you know, maybe jargon, like someone might not understand that that could apply to them and then they're not going to tap on it to learn from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes it's a balance between popular terminology and more accurate terminology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm thinking too, of also determining in addition to that, like how quick of a trend is this and is it worth jumping on? You know, like, does this feel like this is relevant enough for us to like, yeah, we'll jump on for the week that it's popular or is it like, "Eh, we're going to let that pass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, because we definitely have to think about that. So I guess as a, as a team, like I'll think about it and I'll talk to my team about it and and get their, their thoughts or they'll bring an idea and I'll kind of do my, my little research thing. Um, if it's a passing thing, I might just decide to come back to it later. Like if Mm -hmm. more noise is being made about it at another time, or Mm -hmm. if it's a, become something that's consistently brought up Mm -hmm. in user feedback, then I'll say, okay. Um, but that makes me think of two things. One is CBT content. So that is a very mainstream modality. Um, and so it was like, well, yeah, we have to offer this kind of content if we're offering mental health. Um, however, that's not the most powerful modality to use in mental Mm -hmm. health. Like it's great for skills and, and I could go off on a tangent on that. (laughs) Um, um, but people have responded really well and that's, you know, not like a, a blowing in the wind kind of topic or, or, um, phase, whatever fad, um, that's something that remains some of our more popular content. Um, and then the other thing it makes me think of is moon phases. So that's one that some of our content creators have asked about and do offer content on. And I was like, oh, you know, this, I was iffy about it. I needed to kind of almost be convinced, mostly just needed more knowledge and information on what is it that we're looking at? Like, how would we offer it? Is Do we split it up into different topics and what's useful about it? And we also try to stay a bit more evidence-based in the types of content we offer mm-hmm. and surely a lot of our content is not, but, you know, mindfulness so much neuroscience on that. So we feel really solid in, in that part. Um, 
things like religion, not, not evidence-based, but still very important to millions upon millions of people. So we'll offer that something like moon phases, I think is a little bit more unique. Mm-hmm. There might be a, a smaller population for that kind of content. Um, and then our marketing manager was like, Hey, I want to do a campaign on moon phases. I'm getting some feedback and I'm seeing trends on Google or wherever she does her searching. Um, maybe we can do something on that. And so I was like, all right, done, let's do it. The worst that can happen is that people don't like it. Right. Um, and if she didn't say that and, and mention like, she's seeing a lot of searches for things like moon phases, then I, I would have been reluctant to offer it at that time. I would have come back to it later. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I I think that experiment just launched, so I don't have data to know like how well it's doing. And I don't know if that's one that's kind of flying in the wind, but I do know there has been more attention on uh, moon phases in general, at least that's coming to to my ear in my personal and professional life. And when you say moon phases, you mean like full moon, new moon, and like practices around that. Oh, and like energy of the moon. That was one I hadn't actually considered. Actually, I think a client of mine in my in my mental health practice had mentioned she was talking to somebody and they mentioned, well, like if you know the sun energy affects us, wouldn't why wouldn't the moon energy? Mm. Like the moon creates waves. Like yeah. obviously the energy is affecting us. And it was like, yeah. Course. So, but like what's there? I I, I don't know. I need to go right. learn about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just kept popping up and popping up. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing to consider, like the the difference between something that's popular and something that's evidence-based. And is there a middle ground when maybe there's not a lot of evidence, but it is popular and there's a way to provide it that feels aligned with your values as an organization. Exactly. Like, how do you find that space and how can you do both in some way? Yeah. So that really comes down to my, my researching process, like learning what I can to understand what is this, what is involved and how do people use it? Um, and you know, what overall, like, what does it really mean? What is it actually offering to people? Mm -hmm. And that's the most important part. Like, those who are engaged in something like moon phases and they learn about it and they consider it in, in their life. Um, that kind of makes the biggest difference for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess that's a hard one to articulate. Um, Cause you know, j- if I don't know about something that doesn't mean that that's, not something that people are utilizing around the world that it might not be, you know, like it's a popular thing. So, um, yeah, I just really try to consider the population of of people using that and who's talking about it and and what are the benefits of it. So it doesn't actually have to be evidence-based, but meaningful rather. Mm -hmm. And, and that makes me think about just meaningful in general, you know, like it doesn't have to be science-based or evidence-based to provide relief to somebody, you know, whether you believe in moon phases and that the energy of the moon is actually affecting you, or if it feels more like a symbol or a reminder or something to ground you in your body Mm -hmm. and remind you of your values and your belief systems doesn't matter. 
what matters is that it is useful and meaningful for that person. And that is something that I'll always support. Absolutely. It makes me just makes me think about the idea too of like what I've been thinking in my head a lot is since we've been talking is this idea of like having a content board, you know, like these people that represent your audience or your users or that have sort of like, you know, a, you know, a thumb on the pulse in the space that you're in. And that feels like a really useful resource for something like this. So it's like, I don't know much about this or this doesn't really matter to me, but like, Hey, you large group of people who are in this, do your people care about it? Are you seeing people talk about it? So also using that to, again, step out of ourselves as the content creator, knowing that, you know, our own experiences are just that a, a single individual experience. And while you work with a lot of clients, so you luckily also have a window into that. It's just, I think, just continuing to give the reminder that we are only one person. And as content creators, we, especially in the mental wellness space, we really have to be able to hear lots of different voices to understand what's relevant and what's important for our content and what we're putting out. Absolutely. And that that really plays into part of our our like the 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 why behind our mission statement and that is that you know we so our mission statement is to restore the em- emotional well-being of the world and that's not going to be just one or two ways so mm-hmm. some people are going to benefit from our mental health content they might benefit more from our breathwork content or our meditation why not spirituality or religion or hypnosis, you know, there are so many different ways that we can find healing and growth and, um, you know, that, that sense of safety and security Mm -hmm. in the world, Mm -hmm. um, something that connects us to something powerful enough to, to say we can be well, um, no one gets to decide what that is for an individual. So it's important to offer as much as we can, um, Mm -hmm in a very responsible way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. This is, to me, honestly, this has been one of the more interesting conversations I've had. I just feel like it's so important. And there's so much here that translates into the work that we do as content creators in organic content and social. Um, But before we wrap up, I'm wondering what's like the best method you're using right now or leveraging right now for tapping into those trends? What's really working for you and your team? Um, yeah, we utilize, I would say the two biggest ones are, um, our Facebook group, Hmm. which side note is interesting because we have people part of the group who aren't engaged in the app. They just really like our community. Hmm. Um, but we'll tap into there, see what people are talking about. And we'll just straight up ask like, Hey, we're thinking about these things, please vote. And then there's always an option to offer your own. Um, so we'll tune in there. And then we have this like Google form. We send out to our content creators every month or so, maybe bi-monthly. And it just asks like, Hey, what do you think we should offer next? What are, yeah. What ideas do you have? Um, but what goes in tandem with that is our monthly coach support. And we always are sent the feedback. One of us um, on the team will always will usually attend. So we have that connection, but we'll always receive the feedback there. So 
Um, and, and our content creators always have just fabulous feedback for us. So that's actually probably our number one. Yeah. That's awesome. So helpful. And where can listeners connect with you outside of the podcast? Uh, well, I am on LinkedIn, though I am rarely actually on. <laughs> you can see, you know, what I've done and what my credentials are mm-hmm. there. Um, I am I am on Instagram. That's more of a personal account, but um, I do love to share, so people can connect with me there. Um, through the uh, Aura Facebook group, um, there are a bunch of us um, from the team monitoring that, and so you can always reach out there and um, try to gather information. We also have an Aura Instagram account, um, and people can follow us there and ask questions and try to get connected that way. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing everything. I I really appreciate it. And I love everything that you've shared today. Thank you, Jessica. It's just been so wonderful connecting with you. And everyone will catch you on another episode of Thrive Through Marketing. Sounds good.